Hey, East Point, uh, we just thank you for tuning in this morning, this crazy, crazy time. We hope that this video finds you doing well. And I know that we're going to miss meeting together as a body, together with my brothers and sisters in Christ, with my family. Uh, I know every week I'm so encouraged by each one of you, and I'm going to miss uh, getting into God's Word together physically. I'm going to miss those handshakes and high fives and, and hugs. Um, it's not going to quite be the same, but I pray that it's still good. I pray that it's still encouraging. And I pray that it's a blessing to everyone who tunes in this morning. And I pray that not just a blessing for those who tune in, but a blessing to those around you as well as you take this blessing that I feel like God's blessed and put on my heart and share it with, with others. But it's definitely a historic time. I don't remember anything like this ever. Uh, this coronavirus has everyone up in arms and things are changing by the minute. I mean, for the next three weeks, Audrey and I are homeschool parents. What could be more scary than that? And what could be more sad than March Madness, the NCAA basketball tournament been, being canceled? Canceled! It's no longer March Madness, but March Sadness. But I know there's bigger things than that. Things people are being affected and each one of us is going to be affected by all of these restrictions and regulations that they're making. Events are being canceled um, and travel bans and travel restrictions. There's so many things going on. And I know that the decisions that are being made are not being made lightly. I just want to take a moment to honor our leaders. They've been in contact, constant contact all week, meeting several times this week. And have come to this conclusion that we need not meet. It is best not to meet. It is safest not to meet. It is you know, best not to meet this morning. And it's right and it's the respectable and the responsible thing to do. And those were not easy decisions. And I uh, just thank them for their diligent efforts. But I just want to speak in to our response to all of this. This isn't going to be an easy thing for anyone, but I want to remind us who we are, who God's called us to be, who God's made us to be, and that He is there along with us each and every step of the way. And first of all, I just want to say this, that we are a people of wisdom. We are a people of wisdom. In Proverbs 3, and I'm going to be referring to Proverbs 3 quite a bit if you want to turn there Turn there with me. It says this in Proverbs 3. It says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. And this verse refers to wisdom as a queen, a queen greater than any other queen, a queen greater than any other king. And in fact, it was King Solomon who wrote these words, the wisest man to ever live. And he's saying, blessed are those who find wisdom. It goes on to say, for she, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. In her left hand, or I'm sorry, in her right hand is long life. And I don't really necessarily... It just refers to long life here on earth if we are wise. I really believe that it also refers to the long life that we will live with our Lord in heaven someday. 
that we can enjoy that eternal life. All right, and that's in her right hand, in wisdom's right hand is long life. And in her left hand are riches and honor. And not necessarily in a monetarily um, means, but meaning blessings. There is blessings behind wisdom. Whenever we're obedient to God's word, there is always blessing. And that left hand of wisdom is riches and honor. And that blessing that we have through God, I, I know that I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. I wouldn't trade it for a billion dollars. I wouldn't trade it for a trillion dollars. It goes on to talk about wisdom in this way. It says, don't let wisdom out of your sight, for it brings life and it brings safety. God has given us the wisdom to do the safe and the smart thing in this situation. I really believe that it is wise right now to wash our hands every opportunity that we can. I've washed my hands more in this past week with soap and antibacterial soap than maybe I have the whole year. And that's a scary thought for the, what led up to that. But uh, it is wise to wash your hands and be safe. It is wise to follow all those health codes and restrictions. It is wise to listen to those officials. And God's given us the ability to have wisdom. And I feel like that's so important. It's the responsible thing to do. It's also right. It's also right to listen to our officials. All right, to submit to the authorities, to the health officials, to our governor, and to what they're prescribing us is the best way. It's the right thing to do. And in Romans 13, 1, it gives us that, or 13, it gives us this precedence. And it says this, it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against this authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And I know that we want to be a people that is, are in compliance. We're in compliance with our governor. We're in compliance with our governing authorities. We're in compliance with what the state requires. And I think that this is not only the responsible thing, but it's also the right thing. And I don't feel like any of these restrictions that they're suggesting, that they're decreeing, impose on God's will. That they impose on God's law or they impose in our commitment that we've made to Jesus Christ. In Mark 12, it talks about this, you know, give to what... Give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God's. And this is what it what it led up to it. In, in Mark 12, it says later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. And the Pharisees at that time were a religious group that tried to keep the, the law to a T. Uh, they believed in the ritual purity of the law. They wanted to keep it you know, to everything that it said, down to the minute details. And the Herodians, they didn't get along with the Pharisees, but the Herodians were people who approved of Herod's compromises with the Jewish people. They were followers of that great dynasty of, of Herod. And they came to trap Jesus. They came 
And, and they said to him, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? And they knew that whenever they paid into the taxes of Caesar, that they were paying into their own oppression. And they knew that those, those dollars were not going to be used for good for the, their people. And they didn't, felt like Jesus was going to be trapped by the words that he would say here. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy, according to chapter 12. He says, why are you trying to trap me, he asked. And then he responded with this. Just bring me a denarius. Bring me one of those coins and let me look at it. And they brought the coin and he asked, whose portrait, whose image is on this coin and whose inscription? And of course they replied, well, is it Caesar's? Then he said to them, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And it says the people were amazed. And we feel that these decisions that are made are responsible. We feel that they're wise. And, and, and it's our uh, duty to submit to this, these authorities. And it's in our duty to trust in their judgment, especially according to Romans 13 and Mark 12. It gives that precedence that we are to submit to these decisions. And God has definitely given us wisdom. And we need to make the wise and the right and the responsible choices through all of these these matters. But we need to also remember that in Genesis 1.27, who are we created in the image of? We are created in God's image. God's image is on each one of us. And we need to give to God what is God's. And that's us. That's our hearts. That's our wills. And we need to, need to remember that we're also a people of faith. And this is so important that we understand what that means. In Proverbs 3, again, these words are so rich. It says, says this. I, I remember memorizing this verse as a young, young child. And I don't know if it was at camp or VBS, but that's where I memorized so many verses. And this was one of them. And it says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I want to read that again. I want to say that again. I want you to know that verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We know that God loves us and he cares for us and that we can put our trust in him in good times on the highest mountains of our life but we can trust him even in the tough times, in the lowest valleys of our life. We know that he's there in the valley of the shadow of the death, and we will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I love that verse that says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. He did not give us a spirit of fear. We do not need to be afraid in this, in this time. Because God gave us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And this is definitely a time that we can lean on our faith. In Matthew 6, it talks about that worry and about how that worry won't add a single day to our life or a single hour to our life. 
and that we need not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has trouble of its own. But we need to live in the now. And I, I, I'm going to ask my kids to come in and, and read these verses for us because I, I, I want, I, and I told them, I told them I had a little surprise for them. I told them I had a little treat if they would read. I think they would read it regardless, but I wanted to uh, share a little illustration as well. And so right now whenever my kids read these verses in Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What will you wear is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? All right, good. Good job. All right, I got your surprise. Hold on. Watch, just give me donuts. And I, I, even, I even heated it up in the oven just a little bit, just for you guys, okay? And I got your favorite donuts here, all right? And I know that you like the cream in the middle, Brooks. Cream-filled. Cream-filled, and you like the cinnamon buns, at least I'm hoping. All right, but here's the thing. Audrey and I went, or Avery and I went for a run this morning, and we noticed that what we're back. What? What we're back. The Oh, the birds. The birds were back. We heard the birds chirping. And so, with it snowing outside, I just thought, they could be unsafe out there. And so, here's what I'm going to, here's what we need to do. We're going to put these outside for about an hour and allow the birds to have them. All right? And you guys get whatever's left over. All right? Does that sound good? Then they're going to be cold. What's that? be cold. <laughs> well... Well, we gotta take care of the birds first, okay? I'm not sure the birds like donuts. <laughs> well, well, we're gonna see if the birds like donuts because we need to take care of those birds. They're probably not safe out there. I don't think they're safe. All right, all right. Stay there, stay there. Go put them outside. I'm just joking about the birds. Yeah, what kind of what kind of dad would I be if I took care of the birds before I took care of my kids? Uh, a dad. What kind of dad would I be though? Would that be a good I mean, dad if I if I no. cared more about the birds than I cared about you guys? Would that be good or would it be bad? I mean, bad. Yeah. All right. And what about our Heavenly Father up in heaven? Don't you think you that He's going to... Chuck them up in the clouds and give <laughs> some donuts? Well, don't you think He's going to take care of us before He takes care of the birds? Yeah, by giving us donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe by giving us donuts. All right, so here you guys go. Hold on, it might still be hot. It's not bad. All right. Thank you, guys. You're not you do need to share those, though. <laughs> you can eat them. 
I'm going to eat them then. Or I'm actually going to give them to the birds. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that illustration with my kids. And I think they kind of caught on to what I was trying to get at there. Uh, they definitely wanted those donuts, uh, but what kind of father am I if I decide to feed the birds out in the uh, outside before I feed my own kids? And it's the same way with God, our Father. You know that that He loves us so much, and He is definitely going to take care of us so much uh, greater than He's going to take care of those birds of of the air. And we need to remember that. That uh, because we are his masterpiece and whose image is on us, but it's his. We are his children and he loves us and he wants to care for us. I love the story of Daniel. Daniel was uh, in a high position. You know, he was one of King Darius's top three officials, but because he did a good job, he had made many enemies, enemies that wanted him dead. They wanted him out of that position. And so they kind of coerced the, the king to make this decree that only, for 30 days, only people could bow down to him. You know, no other God, no other man, but only King Darius. And Darius was a man of pride, maybe a good king, but he was a man of pride, and he said he went along with it, and he made it a law. And at that time, whatever he said was law, and he couldn't even change it. And so as, as, as Daniel heard this decree what's the first thing he does, but he goes right upstairs to his room and with the windows wide open, he faces Jerusalem and he bows down. He doesn't just bow down, you know, one time and hope no one sees him, but he continues to do exactly what he's done, bow down to, to his Lord, his God, our God, three times. And the people, of course, saw him. And they, of course, reported it to Darius, and Darius was sad. He loved Daniel. But he knew the law that he created, and he knew that he had to enforce it, and he knew that he had to throw Daniel into that lion's den. And so he did it. And I'd say that there was more peace in that lion's den because it wasn't just Daniel and the lions, it was Daniel and God and the lions, than there was in the house of King Darius that night because it says that King Darius could not sleep. He could not eat. He could ha not have any enter entertainment that night because his mind was on Daniel. And I imagine those people that coerced Darius to, to make that law could not sleep, could not eat either. They knew that their lives were on the line. There was more peace in that lion's den that night than there was in Darius's whole kingdom. And what a, what a, uh, what a lesson that is for us. That in those times that seem like are desperate that with God they can be times of calm and they can be times of peace and we need not be afraid and it reminds me of reminds me of that story uh, with Jesus and his disciples in that boat when the storm comes and and the disciples are battling the storm they're just trying to keep this boat afloat they're all frantic when all of a sudden they look at Jesus and what is he doing he's taking a nap He's having a snooze. And he can't believe that his disciples would actually wake him up. And, and so they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? We're, we're going to drown. You want us all to drown? And he gets up and he just rebukes this storm. He says, be, qu be quiet, be still. 
And all of a sudden, that sea is calm as can be. And he looks to his disciples. He says, what, do you have no faith? Is there such fear inside of you? And the disciples were just amazed at, at this, this man who could, who had power over the wind and the waves. And I really believe that that peace that comes from Christ has nothing to do with our circumstances, but it has everything to do with our faith. I really believe that in this time we have no need to fear. But we, this is an opportunity to step into that crisis and be a people of power, a people of faith, and a people of love. In Romans 8.28, and I really believe this to the core of who I am, it says that all things work out for the good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. And I know that these circumstances don't seem good, but we're going to see God's hand in these you know that he is that king of those highest mountains and the best of times but he's also the, the king of those valleys and even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death it says in psalms 23 i will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff they comfort me god is here and god is walking in in this with us and i hope that you believe that today and i want you to know that we are a people of faith and we are a people of love. And we need to understand that that perfect love that comes from Christ drives out that fear. And that brings me to point number three, that we are a people of love. We're a people of, of wisdom. We're a people of faith. And um, I think most important to our, our faith is that we're a people of, of love. In Proverbs 3, it speaks into that. And it says this, it says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it. And when it is in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, come back later and I'll give it to you tomorrow when you know you have it with you. And I, I just looked on Facebook today and I saw one of my cousins from up in Canada. I'm sure they're dealing with some of the same things that we're dealing with. And she had a post on there that I just thought was you know, just a, a Christ-like response to it. And he said, she said, I, I know that we're going through a lot of craziness right now, but I want everyone to know that if you need it, and we have it, it's yours. And I just thought that was such a great response to what's going on, a great Christ-like response. If, 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 we, if you need it, and we have it, it's yours. In 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about what love is. And um, it gives a great definition of love, but it warns us that, hey, if, if we don't have love in our hearts, don't, don't call yourself a child of God. Don't call yourself a Christ follower if that love isn't in you. I know in 1 John it says that God is, God is love. And out of all the commandments, Jesus says that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, that's the number one commandment. He wants a relationship with each one of his children. But number two is this, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And we got to constantly ask, how are we loving others? How are relationships, you know, the relationships matter to God. They should matter to us as well. I think a great example of this love was 
um, was in the third century AD. There was a great plague that was going through the Roman Empire, and it was a devastating plague. Uh, at the height of it, uh, thousands of people every single day were dying in, in Rome alone, let alone the rest of the empire. It was thought to be smallpox or measles, but uh, the emperor of that day, his name was Decius, and he hated the church. He hated Christianity. He hated Christians, and he had set forth an emperor-wide emperor persecution of Christians, and he blamed this whole plague on the Christians. He just wanted to see them gone. But that blame did not hold much weight because of two simple facts. One, the Christians were dying just like everyone else. And that's sad, sad to say. But two, while everyone else was running, everyone else was fleeing, government officials, government leaders, Decius himself, and even the physicians of that day were, were taking off. They didn't know what to do. It was the Christians who stayed and helped. Is there a conviction to, to help the sick, to help the poor, to help the hurting that kept them there? And what looked like it was going to be uh, a world-ending plague, it was really an opportunity to, for the good news of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ to spread, to grow. And it was that, and it was because they saw something different in those third century Christians. They saw that Christianity, that what they had in their heart, Christianity was worth dying for. And that brings me back to today. And I know things aren't good. They don't look good. They don't look promising. I mean, we've never seen a virus quite like this. Is it, I mean, is there anything more contagious than the coronavirus? And, and I would argue, absolutely. And that is love. True Christ-like love is irresistible. And I mean, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And if there's anything that needs to go viral at this time, it's Christ's love. It's Christ's good news of how he came and died on the cross for our sins. And that won't happen unless we continue to be the church, unless we continue to spread hope and joy and love and generosity and goodness and we continue to serve and we continue to give. And this world needs to know that we serve a God that loves him for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. In John 14 1 it says this, it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me because we know that God is in control and there's no reason to fear. He tells us 365 times, do not fear. And I know that there's a special do not fear for this day. And so I tell you, church, that we need to definitely be a, a people of wisdom. We definitely need to be a people of faith and not to fear. We need to definitely be a people of love. But more importantly, we need to rely on Christ and act in self-sacrifice during this time because it is an opportunity to be who Christ has called us to be, even what seems bleak, even in that valley of the shadow of death. 
we need to share God's love because surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to get into your word and I thank you for how your word encourages each one of us. Lord, in, in this difficult time, this tough time when chaos is happening all around us and we cannot control so much of what's happening, Allow us and help us to keep our eyes fixed and focused on you. Help us to be a people that is wise and does the right and the safe and the responsible.